I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, my name's Grace Campbell. I'm a comedian and feminist campaigner, and ever since podcasts started, I've been telling my dad he should do one. Dad, say hello. Hello, I am Alistair Campbell. I am also a campaigner and I fear I inspire a lot of Grace's comedy. And what's our podcast, Dad? Our podcast is called Football, Feminism and Everything in Between. Because? Because football is my passion, feminism is your passion and we are going to be talking to interesting people about those two things. And everything in between. Like Brexit. No, Dad, there is more to life than Brexit. So you like comedy, don't you, Dad? Well, I like a good laugh. Who's your favourite comedian? My favourite comedian, without a doubt. What, dead or alive? Uh, alive. Alive is Grace Campbell. Dead, Who's dead? Dead, Tommy Cooper. Oh, yeah. Tommy Cooper could make me laugh just by him <laughs> walking onto the stage. I would find that funny. Uh, Do I have that effect on you? No, it's different watching you because I get quite nervous. Mm. I, quite, I get nervous for you and I get nervous for me. I get nervous for you. And especially the, that time that Mum and I came, was it at King's Cross? No, it was just uh, around here in Covent Soho, Garden. Covent Garden. And we slipped it. We waited till the lights went down. We slipped in at the back and just sat down. But loads of people saw me going in. And you were doing, like, when you did the really edgy stuff about, you know, I'm not going to go there. They, they would all laugh at you and then look around to see if we were laughing. Now, I was laughing, but you, I've, got, I've got to be honest. Were you laughing just because they no, were looking? No, I was laughing because I thought it was funny. Mum was struggling a bit at times. Yeah. I've got to tell you. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time you came to see me do a gig was at that gig in Camden. Yeah. And I said, Dad, you can come, but you have to come in disguise. So you wore a Burnley cap. And I said, just go and sit at the back because I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. Because in my comedy, just to give people listening some context, I do talk about growing up in politics and who my dad is. And then during my set, Someone heckled me yeah. and called you a C-word, I yeah, think. Yeah. But it was coming from exactly where you were sitting. So I thought it was you. It was the guy in front of me. So I said, oh, sorry, that's just my dad in the audience. <laughs> then he did it again. Yeah. And I said, Dad, stop it. And in my head, I'm thinking, why is my dad, the first time he's come to see me do a gig, heckling me? Yeah. But at the same time, what a great response was that? Because then the guy shut up. But I, but I do I do love watching you make people laugh. And, and, and I like the serious part, you know, all the kind of activism and the feminism and all that stuff. But I've got to say, I think you're getting a lot, lot better with my tutelage and, and, with all, your, the, and all the great gags, all the great gags that I've written for you. You have not written a single... The only thing you've done is inspire... 
me I've written by some the life I've written you some gags set for up you. for me. I've written some gags for you. Come on. More once. The thing about how you're named after a rose in a burial ground. I haven't done that yet. You're going to. I'm not, I'm you're not going to. It's going to go well. Enough. Mick Hucknall. You didn't do that. I just Someone tweeted me saying, are you sure Mick Hucknall's not your real dad? Anyway. Um, so... On the topic of comedy... Exactly. Why were we talking about comedy, well, folks? Because, because I'm very excited to say that today on the podcast, we have an amazing comedian, radio and TV presenter known for presenting The Last Leg, Have I Got News For You, and writing and starring in his own BBC sitcom named after himself, Josh. We have the lifelong Plymouth Argyle fan... Josh Whitaker. <laughs> I actually feel you and I have got a lot in common. Okay. <laughs> we both think we're funny. Yeah. We both support very unfashionable football clubs. Yep. We both have a big West Country connection. Yes. You grew up there, having yep. been born in London. I met Grace's mum there, so that sort of changed my life. We're both asthmatic. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and we both speak fluent French. Incorrect. You don't speak fluent French. That is, the, bizarrely, the second time this week that's been thrown at me. It's the first thing on your personal is life it, it section says of your you, Wikipedia. So I just your did Your personal a, life. I just yesterday, and my personal yeah, life. Yeah, it's my your personal life. so boring, so let's <laughs> put that in. And I did a briefing Ooh. call for Good Morning Britain yesterday, and they tried, they were like, so you were speaking French on the show? And I was like, what? So I don't know who's done this. Well, it's on Wikipedia. Could you fix it? Because No, I, I'm not going to go on to my own Wikipedia and fix it. I was it. about to start this interview in French. Oh. <laughs> you still can. I can translate can for I? you. Yeah, he, yeah. Can yeah. you speak no French at all? I got a D at GCSE. Oh, my God. Who did that to your Wikipedia? I don't know. It it's so says, funny. It says it's fluent in French and does comedy in French and yeah. a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian right. and I do comedy. But, but not in French. French. You're not Eddie Izzard. I'm actually quite... I know this sound... I should move on because it's been 20 years. I'm quite annoyed at how my French GCSE went as well. Because... <laughs> I, let's not get into this, right? Well, let, I'll just quickly explain. No, do. I was in all the top groups for everything except French where I was in like a bottom group because I misbehaved in year seven in French. Terrible. And it's a bit like, like League Two in football. Very difficult division to get out of. <laughs> so once you're stuck there... And I'm like, look across... I'm obviously... So I'd got a DM you know what I've got I A's think? and B's across the board. Someone from your school's done this to you. Done that. Yeah. Yeah. Your French teacher at school. Yeah, Mr. Sirs has finally. He's done it to your Wikipedia. He's done you day. I was really impressed. He's got it because Eddie Izzard can do stand up in about 94 yeah, different languages, yeah, yeah. right? But I thought if Josh can do it in French. So anyway, I was going to ask you, let's see if your GCSE D does this. If it's not about the piss scene, I'm in trouble, mate. Okay, you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Sur une échelle de 1 à 10. Tu es quel numéro comme fanatique de football? Okay, uh, so that's um, the fanatic football must be a uh, football fan. I heard Dees and Un. Mm-hmm, uh, so good. That Dees is ten. Yes. Un is one. Perfect. Yeah. So from the so at the age of ten. <laughs> no, Grace. I know I didn't hear. He's put him out of his misery. So on a scale of one to ten, ah. how much of a football fan are you? Oh, uh, too much, really. Nine. Nine. But I, I tell you what I am. I'm really into football. But, and this is where we differ, apart from the French thing. <laughs> I've learnt to emotionally disconnect when it's going badly. Oh. So if a result goes against what the way I'd want it, within an hour I 
managed to kind of push that down inside into probably but some hatred you... that will well up in some other area of my life. <laughs> Would you say you're a football fan or a Plymouth Argyle fan? Football fan, primarily. Okay. And a Plymouth... So I would prefer England to win the World Cup. Oh, my God. Because I like the shared experience, and all of my friends are England fans, except my non-English friends, whereas only my dad and my brother are Plymouth fans. So if we won the Champions League, you know... If Plymouth won the Champions League. If Plymouth won the Champions League, then obviously that would be amazing, but yeah. I don't think it would be the shared experience. Yeah, that, it Cup. is so much fun in the World Cup when yeah, England are doing well. Dad yeah. doesn't have any friends, that's why he doesn't understand. I've got friends, but I No, sport, they're all dead. I support Burnley and I support Scotland. Right, and Scotland yeah. have not been to a World Cup for a while. But if you had, like, let's say you had a ticket... Yeah. Flights paid, hotels paid. Oh, yeah, keep talking. Ronaldo's going to pick you up at the airport and take yeah. you to the Champions League final, Liverpool v Spurs. Yeah. Would you rather have that experience or go to Hartlepool on Tuesday night to see Plymouth play in the Roundtree, quick fit, Sherpa uh, Trophy, third round? I'd go to the... I've not been to Hartlepool. Good man. So I'd go to Hartlepool. You would, good man. Yeah. Good man. I once was in the same bar as Cristiano Ronaldo. Really? I was in a bar in Ibiza and he walked in and... It was weird. I've never he seen. Said, Can I drive you to everyone? The he just yeah. He's, he walked in and everyone just applauded. It was one of the most bizarre things I've it, ever was seen. Was this at the height of his career? Just after Portugal had won the Euros, yeah. but everyone just stood and applauded. It was so weird. Yeah, that he is a bizarre. My... I bet he really hated that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he does. No, stop it, guys. Hey, please. please. I'm just an ordinary guy trying to have a drink. Respect my privacy. Can I show you a picture of my statue with these? With a huge dick. Yeah. He's carrying the European Cup as he walked through. So, what's the um, the what does football give you? What does being a football fan give you? I I know this is like sub Nick Hornby esque, but it gives me a way of having communication with my friends or with almost uh, on a Wednesday and a Friday I take my daughter to nursery and I'm always late so I always get a cab and I can always talk to the cabbie about Spurs or Arsenal who they always yeah they very rarely want to talk about Plymouth (laughs) Um, it gives me a way of it gives me a, a shared conversation with Peers and non-peers. That is really... Me and my mum aren't that into football. Right. And we're so envious when we go on holiday with my brothers and my dad that wherever you go, it's like this language that you can speak. Totally. And it's... Also, it gives you a way of... It gives you something that... Because when you go away and someone supports a team you don't know, it actually allows you to talk to them about their culture without... Having to pretend that you're interested in their culture. <laughs> or that you know anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you, know, you can go, rather than go, oh, I know about Rome, because yeah. I don't, I can go, oh, I know about Lazio. Paul Gascoigne played for them or whatever. Now, when yeah, I was on your podcast, Quincy yeah. Kevin, you tried to catch me out by asking me really difficult quiz questions about Burnley. And I think I'm right in saying I got them all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. I think we had to re record one. <laughs> Why are Plymouth Argyle called Plymouth Argyle? Oh, mate. It's because they were based in Plymouth. I know the Plymouth bit. All right. <laughs> are, you, are you on the Argyle? Oh. <laughs> uh, I presume, do you know what? It's presumably a Scottish connection. No. It's not? No. Apparently the, the first big meeting was in Argyle Street. Oh. And the Is Scottish, that in Plymouth yeah, or in London? And, and right. the Scottish connection came later. with something oh. to do with the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. I didn't know that. So I've they, always uh, presumed it was related to the Duke of Argyle. No, so now you know. 
That is good. Yeah, because the Duke of Argyle would have two L's, by the way, not L-E. Which uh, fellow Plymouth Argyle fan was... was Michael Foot. Well done. <laughs> That's the only one. It's the only one. <laughs> was known as the 12th man, I was going to yeah. say. There was talk when we got promoted of... One year we got promoted. I think it was when Paul Stark was the manager. Yeah. And Michael Foot was honorary... You know, when I had one yeah, of those roles. Yeah. And he was number 12 on the um, team... Uh, on the list throughout the season, I think, or at the end. And there was talk, I don't know if it was only on message boards, of once we had already been promoted, getting, him on. getting on and kicking off and then, like, kicking the ball out and subbing him off. Wow, that's your dream with Burnley, isn't it, really? It's never going to happen, Dad. Yeah. No, I think you're a more divisive figure. Do you think so? The Michael? Yeah, maybe. One of the saddest <laughs> things, Michael was a really good friend of ours, and one of the saddest things, when he was getting really quite old... Mm. And he was desperate to go to one more game. And we were playing them. We were playing you. And I said, uh, well, we'll go down. And it just, come the day, uh, he just couldn't quite get the legs to work. Oh. And, uh, he yeah. was a big Plymouth fan. Like yeah. you, there, I think Clement Freud is apparently, was almost also a Plymouth fan. There's rumours of Dawn French, but I think she's just from Plymouth. Right, but you're, you're, you are currently kind of numero uno Celebritito family. There is the drummer from Bastille. I don't know if you're aware of Bastille. The drummer is apparently a big Plymouth fan. Right. When okay. you go, do people sort of come up to you a lot? Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because when you go, they do, and I think it's because they expect you to be there. So they, I went to Liverpool v Crystal Palace, because my dad's a Liverpool fan, and no one came up to me. Either I'm not big in Liverpool, or like I think you're not expected to be there, but when you're at a Plymouth game... I think you'll feel there's a feeling of ownership to you. I, I imagine you have the yeah. same with Burnley. There's yeah. a feeling of you're part of their kind oh, of yeah, sure. yeah. identity. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's and really I, interesting at Burnley. I mean, everyone thinks that they know you really well. Yeah, and it's and it's really strange. Touch wood, famous last words. I get very little political grief, even from people that I know politically. Yeah. If I was somebody else political, I would probably get grief. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, it's all about the football. And that's why I'm sad that, that Fiona and Grace don't have any... They don't get it. They don't get what we get out of football. I, do you, do I get it. I just it? No, because I have it in other things. I don't, I don't feel like... So what would you Feminism get? is yeah. what... So feminism is I could go to another country and make friends with another person who cares what, about feminism. What, the taxi driver? Sometimes a taxi driver. Don't put down taxi... You don't know all taxi drivers. No, I don't know them all, no. no <laughs> them all. Yeah, a few in my time. <laughs> But you, that, that is a kind of really, yeah. you, you will always meet people who sort of care about the issues yeah. that you want to talk about. Um, so that's something. But, but it's not as, as universal. But I really don't care about football. That's why we wanted to make this podcast. Because yeah. I'm really interested in it from a sociological point yeah, of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why people care about it so much. I'm not one of those people that says it... Is it the Pope John Paul III or second or whatever? I'm not across Catholicism. What? Who... His quote about football is that it's the most important thing of all the unimportant things. Mm. And I think you've got to remember it doesn't matter. I think that's the glory of it, though, right? Yeah. But is, he yeah. Saying, is, is that statement saying that he thinks it's important or it's unimportant? He's saying it's unimportant. Right. But, but it's, it's important. It doesn't matter, but it feels like yeah. it matters. It really feels like it matters. Yeah. Okay, now, you know when you go into the airport and you've got all these self-help books, right? Mm. And I, I must admit, I, I can't... And this book is quite a good beach holiday book read, by the way. So if you're going on holiday, it's a good no, one de- to pick. It, no, it's definitely, because it's different, it, it's called Help Me. And the, first of all, it's funny. Secondly, it, it kind of is a self-help book 
on one level, but it's also a bit of a bit of a Mickey take of yeah, the kind exactly. of genre. It's because... sort of for both people, for people who mock self help and for people who actually are into yeah. self help. So it's a woman called Marianne Power and she she basically lives a, a year of her life according to the uh the, the guidance of different uh, different, different self help books. books. So it's uh it's funny but it is the sort of thing I might easily pick up at the airport and, and have a little read. No, it's it's that perfect kind of book, like you will laugh, but it is also a very interesting look into whether or not self-help actually helps. Yeah, I've, I've read a couple of self-help books-ish. You have? Winners is a I kind write, of I self-help winners, book. Winners, that's about how do you win, which, you know, that's, people like to win. And I wrote The Happy Depressive, which was but, a little bit how do you deal with depression. But I would say that those books, like, it's funny because the sort of category of self-help books, in my head, I have this idea that they're very, like, wishy-washy, here are some rules. You know, like, in this book, she does some mad stuff. Like, my favourite bit is where she intentionally gets herself rejected oh, yeah, every like day yeah, for that's, a month. That's I don't want to do that. I don't you, want to do that. Wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that. I hate rejection. I can't handle rejection yeah. at all. Um, I also but, the thing about she pays herself loads of yeah, money. Yeah, no, she mm. writes herself a cheque. Um, for the future, mm, basically. Yeah. But it, it's a really good like look into all of the different mad stuff that self-help books tell you to do and whether or not they are actually good for you. They might be good for some people, but they're not good for everyone and we shouldn't sort of prescribe them to everyone, should yes. we? Yeah. So yeah, it's funny, it's poignant, it's a perfect summer read for anyone who has ever looked for a book to help them find happiness. Um, Help Me, How Self-Help Has Not Changed My Life by Marianne Power is available now in audiobook and paperback from any good bookstores. Josh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much is Anne Widdicombe your mum? Ah, zero. Zero. <laughs> it's spelled differently. But I can tell you connections to her. Come she on. moved into the village where my parents live and changed her, na- her house's name to Widdicombe's Retreat. And then I met her as well. And uh, the first thing she said when I walked in was, I knew this day would come. <gasps> You're joking. Oh, yeah, seriously. No, that's You're, so You're weird. my long-lost son. Yeah. You're my immaculate conception she, yeah. baby. <laughs> Do you know what? She was disappointingly lovely. I know she's got awful views. But if I'd only met her mm. in that context, I, I, haven't got, I, I haven't got any quibbles with how she behaved. So what's the spelling? You're an I and E, she's an E. Uh, she's an E, yeah. She's an E, and you're, you're W-I-W-D-I. Yeah. She's E, yeah. When I met her, she was just off to a meeting, it was like a few months before the vote, called Christians for Brexit, and I thought, good luck with that, you loser. And now look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not a fan, are you? No, but do you know what? Oh, just so bored of it now. Oh, yeah, but that's... Josh, that's giving in. Yeah, but that, that every pretty much... And Most what does that mean? It's, that got to, it's got to come to a conclusion. I imagine next Thursday is going to be a pretty awful experience for for the main parties. Yeah, for sure. And what about um, a referendum? Would you back another one? Yes, but I don't think it's going to happen. I know you think it's going to happen. I want it to happen. Yes. Yeah. The longer it goes on, I think I think next week's vote when Nigel Farage's um, Brexit party sweeps the board is going to be quite kind of bleak well I think we have to no I don't agree I, I believe by the way the longer it goes on the more likely it is right just because everything else is happening nothing can resolve it but anyway we won't 
I won't bang on too much, Grace. Let's get it. Just, it just brings the mood down, doesn't it? It does. It's no, such a That's what I've said on this thing. podcast. I really don't want us to have to talk about it. That much. At some yeah. point, we are going to know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and right. then this conversation will be. Maybe you should dull. focus on after Brexit, the reunited, getting us back into the EU. Yeah. No, that's giving in. That's like saying, that's like saying, let's lose this game, let's get relegated, then we can sort of prepare. See, it's Liverpool losing three 0 at the New Camp. Just focus on winning back at Anfield. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, post Brexit. Um. So my actual one out of ten question is: on a scale of one to ten, how much of a feminist are you? Well, I'd like to think that I'm a, te- a but ten would imply kind of um a kind of active. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Totally. I would like to think that I'm, uh, my views are in tune with feminism. Uh, but, to, the, to the scale of ten? Well, I don't disagree, yeah, I, in the, I don't disagree with, you know, the so like of he, feminism. He's like a ten theoretically and then practically, what did you say, a four? Pretty low. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably, yeah, I'd sound practically a six. But um, a ten theoretically. Yeah. If I was to ask the hours of my day I dedicate to things, it wouldn't be top of my list. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, male is comedy in this country? In a very good way, it's increasingly less male. But when I started in it, um, I think so. When I was on the open mic scene, I think I, I think you'd do a gig and there'd be fifteen people on, and I'd say. Four, five would be women on a good night. Um, and certainly on TV now, it's so much better than when I started on TV. As in, as in more women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still because I do stand-up. Yeah. And I started a year ago now. And it, it, when I started in the open mic stuff, it was still two sometimes, me and yeah. another woman. I did a charity night once, sort of comedy thing. And it, I, th- I don't think there were any women there. And all I remember was one of the... I can't remember his name now. He was quite a well-known comedian who came and gave me a bollocking because I was, I was taking notes during his during Yeah, his this guy thought that was the... What do you mean you were taking notes? I was just writing down funny things that he was saying and he came up and said, you know, you stealing my, you stealing my stuff. And, and why were you writing it down? Because well, I thought it was funny and I just wanted to keep a note of it. And he was like, are you, are you gonna, he said, are you going to go after dinner circuit? You, it's all right for you. You're established. You've got a name. You're gonna, I'm, I'm trying to make it as a comedian. Oh, wow. I, I really want to know it. who it was. Who you was can't it? remember. Do you know and you don't want to say, or was it? I sort of do, because I can, but, but I'm, I'm worried about getting the name wrong. Cause Tell someone, us afterwards. It was quite, and then all of wow. his mates came round and said, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be taking, stealing a little bit. I'm not saying I'm not stealing it. <laughs> and, then I, and then I said, I actually, I'll keep a diary. I'm going to put it in my diary. Is that okay? Yeah, no. very good. Yeah, you've got proof <laughs> that you keep diaries. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's an excuse for everything, isn't it? But so, yeah, it's, it has been really interesting for me, actually, because going from being in this very... Because I do lots of feminist activism, mm. being in this sort of bubble of, like, women supporting and loving one another to then starting doing stand-up, it yeah. was shockingly male yeah. for me, actually. Well, do you think they don't want you to succeed? Well, I was, I was saying to Dad before, like, I get so often still when I do gigs afterwards, people come up to me and say, I really didn't think you were going to be funny when I, I saw you walk on stage and I was surprised to I, find you funny. I, less so maybe in the last couple of years, but I can't believe how many times I've had conversations with people that say they don't find women funny. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't even know how to engage in this conversation. Because <laughs> you're like, I can't go try and convince... What's the 
like, what am I going to say that's going to change this absurd view? Do you know what I mean? It's no, like, it's a completely absurd... It's not even a conversation starter, no. if you know what I mean. <laughs> but if you were writing down your top ten British... Comedians. Comedians, past and present, how many would be women? From my childhood? No, from your whole life. Well, I think what's interesting is, like, um, all of my favourite comics are the ones I grew up with, because obviously, with a possible exception of, like... James Acaster, yeah. I'd say, because you know how the best bands are the bands when you're 19 right. or whatever. So, and so it would probably be very high men because that's what I was watching. Who, 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 who were they? So Harry Hill, right? Um, Frank Skinner, Jack D, um, and then so I'd go French and Saunders. So, but th- th- when you think about it. Joe Brand, beyond that, and Carolina Hearn, who, when I was growing up... Were and Victoria Wood. Victoria Wood. Yeah. But even Victoria Wood, she didn't quite feel part of that scene. No, even. Do you know and I, mean? I also she, think she was actually very ahead of her time in yeah. terms of what she was talking about with women and you yeah. know dinner ladies. It was like yeah. so... She was absolutely brilliant. and that, But at the time, it wasn't like I was thinking... It just didn't even occurred to me that yeah. it was a thing it, it's it was mad in that sense do you know what I mean and yeah you, you can only go god what it must have taken for because the other interesting thing about that I think is of those people the only one that came through the stand-up the direct stand-up route was Joe Brand so French and Saunders French and, French and Saunders were like sketch yeah. Victoria Wood did Opportunity Knocks or one of them yeah. Carolina Herm was like a character comic the only real straight stand-up on TV that was a woman was Joe Brand. Which must have been so hard. Yeah, it's mad to think about. What advice would you give Grace, who's got her first Edinburgh Fringe coming up this summer? Don't drink as much as oh, yeah. I used to drink. Because I, <laughs> I used to... I've stopped drinking, like, not completely, but, like, a lot recently. And I suddenly realised the reason I used to be depressed in Edinburgh was because I was just constantly hungover and... I was like, God, I find it really grinding. I'm doing an hour's work a day. It's really depressing. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually... God, do people do this? It's actually that I was up till five drinking and then getting up at midday hungover yeah. and then doing the show and then thinking oh, I should have another drink. And so that's a really boring piece of advice. No, it's no, good I'm advice. Really, I'm really, I'm not going to yeah. drink. I'm just like, and, I'm and, and drink. The, that's interesting, though, because the whole... I'm fascinated by the whole sort of depressed comic theme of life as well because that is very very yeah it's real isn't it isn't it yes but is it that or is it a, just a good it's a lovely the tears of a clown is a lovely image obviously yeah. um but i reckon of my friends that are comics they're less depressed than when i worked in waterstones or mm. something and that's no reflection on waterstones but i think yeah, it's just a, it's just a, there's no just such thing. People as, are depressed. People are depressed, and like and and it, but it's just a better thing when it's. I mean, I reckon musicians are probably just as down as comedians. Um, I I think Edinburgh's got a, there's a certain few factors that really play with your mental kind mm. of well being. That the consistent consumption of alcohol, yeah, the fact that you are daily being compared to your peers and you can't escape that or judged judged and yeah. and you and to get to your place of work you have to walk past pictures 
of your peers in bigger in bigger yeah, with, with stars all over them and stuff <laughs> and like like that. Like, Grace, are you ready for this? If every no, time you had to go to work, you know, you were barraged with opinion polls about how badly your party was doing, you wouldn't feel good. Can't about imagine it. what that feels like <laughs> at the moment <laughs> at all. <laughs> but you know. It's. Does it feel because it's very interesting? Like you came up with you know Nish Kumar and James mm. Acaster, and you're all mm. doing so well. And were you ever competitive with them um, when you were younger? When we were younger, I don't think like we, you, we were forced into competitions. We weren't forced. We were. But it was. It's we, a natural. Should, yeah. No, but those actual competitions, like say you think you're funny or the Laughing Horse or Amused Moose, Amused Moose, but um. I don't think, you know, this view of like, I, I don't know from your experience whether it's different, but this view of comedy is really backbiting and really, I genuinely think, like, I've made so many close friends from comedy, far more than I thought I would, and I haven't got that many enemies. You always seem like quite a nice bloke to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm wonderful. <laughs> no, but I think actually, like, and I do think that there is a healthy competition, but I think what there is is a situation. It's not even like he's got that. I need to better him. But I think there's, I think there's definitely a thing where you see your peers achieve something, and that makes you think you can do it yourself. Yeah. As opposed to you want them. And to that's fail. a healthy type. As opposed of competition. you want them. To, yeah. So you go, oh well, if you know, um, if Nish can do that well, then I can do that well because Nish is rubbish. I think seeing your peers succeed makes you understand that it's possible. Mm. And is there a sort of healthy sense of like, because I know that in terms of women in comedy, there is a really healthy environment of actually helping more women get yeah. to, so, you know, there is a uh, growing yeah, number of all men. female, like, no, I'm not no, saying no, no. that, but there's like a growing number of all female bills yeah, now yeah. to make sure that, you know, women can get mm. as much opportunity as men. But forgetting about gender or whatever, was there a sense that like you would help your mates out whenever you could? I wouldn't consciously go this person needs a leg up but that's, I think, a, that's a no grace that's it no, 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 no. we're all in it for ourselves <laughs> but then I did I did a show on um, XFM for three years from 2013 to 2016 and like I had guests and I would just have my friends on because they're the people that I find funny and so you are in that sense giving them exposure yeah. but you're not going you're not like but I think that's a good thing. Because I, I think it's also, that's probably me wussing out as well because you you just want to be in a room with people that make you feel comfortable. Totally. So I'd always prefer to work with people that can't... I, you're never as unfunny as when you're not comfortable around yeah. someone. I saw on your, uh, on your, obviously, this may be complete nonsense because it's on your Wikipedia, mm. which says you speak fluent French, which you oui. know. yeah. But you've done a lot of kind of different shows and different performances. Mm. And, and when I saw on your website, your tour upcoming tour is like you know it's like every night for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah do you get a bit anxious if you don't make somebody laugh every like every few minutes on stage or off stage in your life no i wouldn't want to be one of those people that uh like jimmy is carr the, is i don't jimmy carr once told me that what that he needs to make you know we're parkinson's together in the greenery he said he said if i don't make somebody laugh every few minutes i just don't feel right really yeah that yeah i can see that <laughs> um, but I um I no I don't I I certainly wouldn't feel like that and say I I think there's definitely people 
who will be walking around with an anecdote of I met that comedian and he just wasn't funny. And not in that he was cracking jokes that were rubbish kind of way. Just that he, he weren't cracking jokes. Just that I was just boring. And if you, yeah. if you go to a party, do you... Do you, I would, you don't feel you've got to be funny? Do you know what I do on a party? And I, this is the same as we were talking about getting in a cab. So I don't like to... I don't enjoy talking about myself or comedy in the social situation with someone who's like, oh, so what's it like? So I tend to go on the offensive and it almost... If I meet a stranger, I'll start in, like interviewing yeah. them about their life to try and... It's just a defence mechanism to not have to talk about my own life. Right. So I wouldn't be trying to be funny because I'd be too busy going, so what's the... What's your line driving? What, what, yeah, what's the... Ca- so, so you work 12 hours a day for four days? Uber, or do you do what do you like, think yeah, about yeah, Uber? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sadiq <laughs> Khan, do you think yeah. that's just a power play? Not or? doing enough, is he? <laughs> what's your perfect gag? The perfect piece of stand-up for me would be an observation, if it's done by another person, an observation that makes you go, I can't believe I didn't think of that, because right. then, then that must be really good. So when was the last time that happened? I saw Rob Beckett, I did a preview with Rob Beckett recently, and he had a thing about, which I won't say the joke, but it was like, about all the different types of milk that his girlfriend's trying to replace normal milk with cow's milk. And it was just like, <laughs> that's there in front of me. I've been living that. And you didn't do And it. I didn't do it, and now... Rob's doing it, probably better than I would. But, like, that's when it... I think... Because I do observational comedy, better or worse, and I think the best observational comedy is things where when you then experience it yourself, you think about that bit of material. Is there an obligation at the moment to talk about politics? I don't talk about it in my stand-up. And when I do... So I do on the last leg, obviously. But when I do it in my stand-up, it feels really weird. And, Is that um, just because you've never really done it? It so just it feels, feels like weird. a real gear change. Like, I have got a new bit in tour about WhatsApp groups that's just like an, a bit about being in a stag WhatsApp mm. group. And I had this bit that we talked about, the you know, the Tory party WhatsApp group? That all the, we talked about it on the last leg, and it was really funny, and I was like, I can just rip that bit out and shove it in. And it felt mad that I was doing... It just felt like... But do you think that's just because you're hyper-aware of it? It might be, but... But it was interesting when you talked about Brexit earlier. The energy did drop. Do you feel that's happening with your audience? Oh, God, I think I made a joke the other day on stage. I can't remember a guy said something in the audience. And I said... Just sarcastically said the phrase, yeah, leave means leave. And there was this weird kind of... Ooh, like even though I'd been sarcastic, I was like, oh, and then one person clapped, and then there was like, all oh, this kind. It was like a kind of weird, like no one knew. It. They just the phrase said in a jokey manner had set the whole room to like, I don't know how to react. It was so mad because people don't, people a feel passionately about it, b they don't want to ruin the evening by yeah. getting in an argument with the person sat next to them in Saffron Walden, which I imagine. I mean, I don't know how Saffron Walden voted, but I imagine leave, maybe. So I, because I'm writing this Edinburgh show, which mm. is called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics, and yeah. it is very political, but it's about my childhood and, and my like my sort of experiences yeah. with 
with politicians and stuff. But I did this gig um, in December last year, and I was talking about the Iraq war. And I do this bit about how I was nine years old when it happened. I don't think there's much I could have done to stop it. Yeah. But some people think I could have done more. Yeah. Because I got heckled by this woman who actually tried to come on stage and hit me. Yeah, and she was screaming at me and telling me I was a murderer. But at those shows, I do think people feel that they're kind of in a pantomime because they're having an influence over whether or not you can stay on stage. So what's the worst heckle that you've had? Because it won't beat mine. I remember dying on stage in Edinburgh, and this vividly... This was in 2008, so I'd been going like six months. And it's not like a bad heckle, but I just remember a guy in the front row just looking at me, kind of sadly, and just going... In ten years, you will be average. Oh, and it, like, <laughs> he said that yeah. while you're on stage. Yeah, <laughs> and it just was such a cutting use of language. You saw, you saw. In ten years, I'll be sitting in a studio <laughs> in a basement in Soho, yeah. and I'll relive this horrible moment. But like, but that it sounds great. like he said it very softly. Yeah, as it was well. just said with such a kind of controlled, like he thought. Yeah, that's he's like he's analysed the situation and like oh, that is how I think your life is going to go. <laughs> well, I bet he's kicking himself now. Well, yeah, but it's, do you know what? It cut through. Mm. It cut mm. through. I remember in those days. This is like the the kind of actions of a kind of weirdo. But in those days, I used to after gigs. Did you ever do this when you started out? I'd like write notes on how it had gone and like a bit like Alistair's diaries. And um, I just remember writing a long list of everything I'd done wrong at the gig. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really... Um, That's sad. It was sad, but, you know, but here you've got you to are learn now. somehow. You've got to learn, haven't you? Yeah, totally. But I heard you... I listened to you on that Stuart Goldsmith podcast oh, yeah. saying that actually you prefer listening to your good gigs. Definitely. Because you I, learn more from that. You learn way more because you're much funnier. Yeah. When you're in a bad gig, you're just trying to not sink under the water. Mm. So that's another week. Another week with a copy of The Week. Another week and another piece of shit dominating the news. Am I right in saying that? Well, you're certainly right. Boris Johnson is the person I'm referring to. Well, he is the cartoon of him on the front of The Week. And it's his blonde, the, the top of his blonde head, lots of microphones pointing his way, which is what narcissists love. And this little line, this little drawing at the back, there's his hand at the back with his fingers crossed. So it's basically saying, I mean, the headline is, can we trust Boris? And I think we know that's the answer to that. But it's actually, my favourite thing in the in the week this week is actually something we talked about last week with Gabby Logan, and that's women's football. And there's an amazing picture. You saw the England, yeah. you, you watched the England-Cameroon game, didn't you? Yeah. And there's a picture of Yvonne Luco of Cameroon elbowing Nikki to Paris. Paris in the face, and and it, you know, I know people said it was really, really terrible, which it was, and there was spitting, and there was all the arguments over the penalties. But there was a part of me thought, you know, the headline is the World Cup turned sour, and it was a sour match in one level, one level. But at the same time, it just, it just sort of said to me, this is really kind of come of age. It's what like, because it's that that's kind of normal in men's football. Well, it's not that it's normal. It would have been horrible in men's football. But I, I did think that that was like England really had to kind of keep the discipline and grind it out. Mm-hmm. And, and it's when you see that picture, I mean, it's just like that is one woman elbowing another woman in the face in a football match. 
and it just says this really kind of matters. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying I thought it was kind of it was mm-hmm. very very mm-hmm. that was a really one of the most interesting games of the whole thing. What I like is that you get different perspectives. So, for example, in this article, it's mainly talking about VAR because this is am I right in thinking the first World Cup which has used VAR. Um, and someone from The Guardian says that the decisions were spot on. And then someone in the Times said that this, you know, this World Cup has been having lots of problems caused by VAR, which is interesting because it's a really interesting debate. Well, it's what, what's really interesting for me is that for years and years and years and years, you had managers and players and media saying, why can't they just get video assistant referees? That will sort it all out. But in the end, what it shows is that even if you do have every camera angle looking at it and referees in a tv studio somewhere looking at it in the end people have to make decisions you have to make judgments. anyway it's good it's an it's another good sum up of all that's been happening and again i feel like i've been getting all the information i need because i love the fact that they it's so international you really get to grips on what else is happening not in the western world mm. so that's good Right, Josh. Three men, three women. Three men, three women. Your six. dream six-a-side team to change the world. You are the manager. Okay. So, I'm the manager. So... Does that sound good, I'm the manager? Do you like that feeling? Uh, I don't like the... Um, I also think it's quite, tr- it's quite a difficult dressing room. Like, I wouldn't like to control these six. <laughs> okay. So, pairs. I think that... I think uh, that a great way of changing people's perceptions is... Uh, Culture, music, comedy, etc. So it's quite culturally weighted. Nice. Cool. Yeah, like that. So um, two centre-backs, Lennon and McCartney, because I think they've totally changed popular music and they changed the perception... They changed society as two guys from Liverpool. I was going to say two working-class guys, but John Lennon's from quite a middle-class background, actually. Um, and uh, they... <laughs> They cha- I think they changed uh, popular music and they changed so much socially in the 60s. So I think they would be my two centre-backs. Centre-backs rather than up front, interesting. Yeah, okay. because I think you've got what you've got is Lennon would go in hard, wouldn't he? Yeah. He's vicious. Mm. Yeah. Like, he'd be a bully and then McCartney would be the ball-playing kind of yeah. Liberio coming he's, out he's, hands, he's Hanson against yeah. Yeah. Ron, Ron Yates. Yes, exactly. Other end of the pitch, uh, culturally... I thought I'd go um, for another pairing, French and Saunders. Great. Who I think are, you know, arguably the greatest double act in the history of British comedy. Seriously? Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, totally. I, don't, I think you'd struggle to find a better double act. Maybe you could argue more corn-wise, but I, I think the thing about French and Saunders as well is, A, um, they're a brilliant double act, but B, they went on and achieved so much separately that they're both... Brit- Ryan, Maybe I'm not educated here. I don't know much about Ernie Wise's solo career. Not as successful as theirs. Yeah. So, go for them. Yeah. Great. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. And in midfield, we've got the midfield dynamo. What's that? Well, I think the biggest uh, thing affecting us, and I know this is debate, is climate change. And I think uh, the 16-year-old, Greta Thunberg, Mm -hmm. is it? The 16-year-old, who is, I think, the only thing that I think it feels like in the last couple of months, like, the whole kind of dialogue around climate change has changed and it's become such a... I think, you know, the only way it's going to change is if it feels like there's so many people um, engaged with it, you know, young people, but that it becomes something that politicians need to engage with to win over the voters. 
I right. mean, it's the only way it's going to change. And You're she not going to really change. She's really changed it. everything, and that's unbelievable. And that's from nothing. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Other Along, end of the, alongside other end of the spectrum, um, I thought I'd choose a footballer. And I think someone who's doing an amazing thing to change Ray. perceptions is Raheem Sterling. Oh, Very good. That's so yes. good. I'm seeing him tomorrow. Yeah, I'm interviewing him tomorrow. Oh, wow. I think he's amazing. I think he he's, really is. He's A, on a purely footballing level, he's totally. I think it's amazing when you see someone who's talented but not kind of got it, but then they put in the work to get mm. somewhere. Mm. And also, I just think everything he says is right. Mm. And what he does is brilliant. Good. That's a great team. Good little team. Really Strong good team. team. Really good team. Do you think Lennon McCartney would play well with Sterling, given that he left Liverpool in the circumstances <laughs> that he did? <laughs> Lennon McCartney didn't like football. No, that's true. Did that's they true. not at all? No, not really. Paul McCartney claimed he supported both Liverpool and Everton, which is he a very... He can't do that. <laughs> like Plymouth Such a Paul McCartney answer as well, isn't it? <laughs> Desperate to be liked in every way. That's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josh. This Thank has you been for a pleasure. Me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Josh Widdicombe, that was great. I he's a nice guy, and he's deep down, he's just a nice guy. He's great. He's great, and he's clearly um, so intelligent, and he's funny. And I thought it was just really embarrassing for you that he didn't speak French, wasn't it? Because you were so excited about that. I wasn't excited, but I thought it'd be really cool and it's quite funny if we did a part of the interview in French and, be, and having read that he's fluent in French and discovery is not it was first line on his Wikipedia bad Jimmy Wells Jimmy Wells sort, sort it out you know, what are you doing out. mate I think on the football side of things I mean I'm not buying this idea that you can support England more than your club I'm not having that I, a... you know what I really do understand for someone who supports a really small regional team that's not in London so it's not all of his mates also support that team I do understand that thing when a World Cup is on and I had it last year during the World Cup when England were for a minute doing really well it's so nice to share with all of your mates who support different teams and you know yeah. all over it's to share this no, excitement about Plymouth something fan, you're a Plymouth fan you're a Burnley fan you're a Burnley but that's just because you're the most unpatriotic person in the world no I'm a deeply patriotic person the UK is my country I'm British and Scottish and then I'm not English <laughs> essentially um, and I also just I honestly love that story about when he met Anne Whittacombe mm. and he walked into a party and she said I knew this day would come I mean spooky, what is that about spooky. I'm fascinated I also loved and hope that you heed the advice he gave you about how to get through a month on the fringe at Edinburgh. Don't no booze. drink. I'm definitely not going to drink. Mark my word. It's on this podcast. I'm not going to drink. The whole month? Yeah. I want to smash it. I want to, the show to be the best it can be. And when I'm drinking, I'm not the best you know, I can be if I'm in any way hungover. So I really am going to take his advice. It's brilliant advice. Well, I'm going to get one of those drug testers to come... Okay, not creepy at all. It's not creepy at all. I'll get the WADA people. What does WADA stand for, Grace? You know about sports? World Anti-Doping Association. But yeah, that was great. Josh Riddicombe, legend. Thank you very, very much for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is a Pink Protest production. And if you're wondering where the fantastic music comes from, it's by my favourite Scottish band, Skipinish.
we've got a lot of catching up to do. Sky Sports has over 100 live games across the Premier League and EFL in just six weeks. Everything is still to play for. Scores to sell. Relegation to avoid. Europe up for grabs. And the titles to win. Upgrade to Sky Sports today. See sky.ie for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.